Have you heard what's happening in Calgary, Canada? Home to some of the world's best researchers and innovators in life sciences, Calgary is advancing healthcare solutions to solve global challenges. Calgary's dedication to the life sciences sector is evident in its labs, hospitals, schools, and the minds of its people. With its top institutions producing internationally recognized research and more than 110 life science companies backed by a highly skilled pool of talent, the life sciences sector is accelerating innovation in Calgary. If you're a bright mind or a bright company, Calgary is just the place for you. Take a closer look at calgarylifesciences.com. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. As concerns grow about the use of animals to test drugs, scientists have sought new ways to analyze the efficacy and toxicity of their products. Genoskin is seeking to enable better, faster, and safer drug development through the use of its proprietary ex vivo human skin platforms for preclinical drug testing. The company provides natural human skin obtained from patients that it maintains in a living and functional state. We spoke to Pascal Descargues, founder and CEO of Genoskin, about the company's ex vivo human skin models, how they provide an alternative to animal experiments, and how they can accelerate the generation of reliable human data in drug development. Pascal, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny, for... Um, gently inviting me. We're going to talk about Genoskin, how you're able to provide human skin for preclinical testing and how this can reduce the need for animal testing. Before we get into Genoskin's offerings, there have been pressures to move away from animal testing. How much of this is driven by ethics and how much is this driven by utility? How predictive are animal models of drugs in humans? Yes, this is a very interesting question, and uh, and uh, so there are two two factors. So ethics first, um, and also I would say that the, the science and all uh, experience, data, um, knowledge we have now about, for example, a drug development, and probably you, you may know that ninety percent of drug development fails uh, during clinical trials. And this is something very, I mean, it's fantastic how people can accept this. Uh, this causes a loss of more than one billion per drug. Uh, if you estimate that uh, the drug development, the total cost is about one to two billions, uh, 10 to 15 years of uh, work. And at the end, you have nine projects that will fail uh, among tens. And it, I think it's... Um, it's really um, a failure that needs to be overcome. Uh, 
uh, and I'm not sure everybody should accept this. So, and, and we know that today, one, one reason uh, is because of the poor productivity of animal models used during preclinical tests. So you validate uh, drugs, you validate drugs in animals, in animals that are not necessarily uh, re- mimicking uh, the human situation. And when you do a clinical trials, um, you have this uh, uh, failure because of loss of efficacy, because of uh, uh, toxicity in human. And so you stop everything, all these uh, 10 to 15 years uh, process and, and all these uh, uh, billions or millions of uh, dollars of uh, investments. So f- for us today, for Genoskin, I think that really the, 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 um, what is driving our growth, what is driving... Uh, the, the possibility to provide alternative to animals use, it's more and more based on science because we need uh, something to de-risk uh, drug uh, development. And, and I, can, I can mention also the, the, the ethic uh, uh, um, issue here because obviously there are more and more people in the world that <clears throat> wants to... Uh, uh, protect animals, and uh, you have all this story with the 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 meat, uh, the 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 vegetal meat, uh, the alternative to the meat, um, the alternative to animal testing for cosmetic. Uh, it's it it's true in Europe. It's true in in many other countries. It's true now in California here in the US. So there is a pressure, uh, but today this is mostly related to. Uh, um, non-therapeutic products, I would say, or cosmetic or some chemicals uh, and not necessary drugs. Uh, and, and finally, it makes sense. Uh, you want to develop a, a, a cosmetic actives. Um, and it's not a drug. It's something for your own uh, pleasure, for example, um, but people will not accept now that we, we test uh, everything on animal. We test uh, the, the, the active on the animals. Uh, but for a drug, you, you have patients that are suffering. You have people that are dying. So the, 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 the needs are different and much more based on the science. And what do you, what do you want? You want to um, uh, lower the attrition rate accelerate the, the, the drug development and at the end provide more and more reliable uh, drugs for patients. You use actual human skin. How, how do you obtain this? So we, we use actual skin. Actually, we, we work closely with hospitals uh, to ethically source uh, these uh, human skin leftovers they come from plastic surgeries. And we um, ask for uh, the consent uh, from the patient before uh, sourcing, before collecting these uh, skin samples. And, and I think it's really um, the philosophy of Genoskin. Um, you have a lot of companies that are spending millions uh, to develop uh, artificial tissues, to try to uh, 
replicate uh, organs, human organs, human tissues. Um, at Genoskin, we, 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 we wanted to try um, an alternative to this uh, uh, pathway uh, because there are more and more tissues available in the world. For example, for the skin, only in the US every year, you have 200,000 uh, skin samples uh, produced from abdominoplasty surgery. It means that all this, the vast majority of these skin samples are discarded. Actually, hospital and clinician, they, they pay to destroy uh, these particular uh, biological samples. And, and for us, we think that these tissues um, are actually uh, um, the perfect matrix uh, to develop tools, in vitro tools uh, for research instead of uh, uh, destroying, discarding everything. Uh, so it, it's how we, we ended in this particular field. Um, but to do so, we need to have higher approval. We need to comply to a lot of uh, ethical and, and uh, um, legal requirements. And of, of course, because it's, com it's coming from a, a, a person, a living human uh, uh, subject uh, somewhere here around you, uh, we need to ask for the, the consent. So everything needs to be um, uh, very uh, uh, ethic. And, and is something done to keep the tissue alive or prepare it for further experimentation? Yes, and, and I think, so the skin, we, we, we did not invent the, the, the skin because it's from plastic surgery. So we take, we just use this advantage. Um, but what we are we did or we uh, we are providing to our customer today, it's a, a, a proprietary um, nourishing gel. So we use a nourishing gel to uh, keep round skin biopsies about uh, two inches um, uh, alive, functional, and importantly immunocompetent for seven days. So when we receive the tissue, we process the skin uh, very rapidly in our facility, and we uh, produce this uh, skin model, ex vivo human skin models uh, that are embedded in this uh, nourishing gel matrix. And, and, and we keep, we maintain this uh, tissue alive for a couple of days, up to seven days, uh, so we can uh, test um, drugs, we can also deliver them as a ready-to-use kit to our customers. My understanding is that Genoskin is not the only company to provide skin on the market, but how does your offerings differ from what else is available? Yeah, of course, we, we, we are not uh, alone, and I think it's, it means that the, the needs are very important. And today we have two main competition, two main competitors, uh, we have uh, all these uh, companies that are bioprinting or reconstructing tissue or skin. And, and the main limitation, as I mentioned today, it's, it's, it's artificial in the sense that it's made by the human, made, by, uh, made in the lab with different cells 
put in 3D. And, and it's not true that you can replicate a complex organ like human skin uh, in a lab. It, it's not accurate. So there are a lot of limitations. The tissue is not mature. Um, it's not functional like a, a, a adult uh, skin, for example. And all the competitors are uh, finally biobanks. And th this is all the um, uh, companies. Some of them are very old companies. They are sourcing the tissue. Usually they keep the tissue uh, at minus uh, 20 frozen um, for a while, and then they uh, provide uh, some piece of uh, uh, skin or tissue to uh, customers. So the main limitation here is that when you freeze or you put a four degree, it's the same, you, you, you will kill the tissue. A human, a human tissue or the skin organ is is made to be maintained at 37 degrees, uh, not uh, frozen or not uh, put in the fridge. Um, so this is the main limitation. And, and what we provide that is really unique uh, is that we provide either ready-to-use kit. So it means it's no longer a human skin sample. It's a kit made of... Uh, standardized, ready-to-use skin models placed in multi-world plates with, and, uh, together with uh, a culture medium that has been validated. So um, uh, how uh, um, customers can uh, order and we can deliver them uh, for reliable testing at their facility. Or we can also leverage uh, um, in our lab to perform more advanced testing of their product. So the, the difference is in, is in the way to keep the tissue alive, functional, immunocompetent, and even more injectable. With our system, we have the first uh, platform to inject uh, in human, outside of human. So how three-dimensional are these samples and, and how well do they imitate human skin in vivo? So um, I can mention, so the, the, the diameter usually is about two inches and, and thickness is about one inch. So it's really, it, it's not a small, teeny piece of 3D cells. It's, it's, a, it's a big piece of tissue. And thanks to the um, how proprietary nourishing gel, um, we actually um, maintain a tissue tension, the tension on, on the skin, like in vivo, like uh, with your, your own skin. And also we keep the skin surface in contact with the hair, the atmosphere. Uh, only the... the, the uh, Underlying tissues like the dermis or like the hypodermis are embedded in this nourishing gel matrix and are in contact with the, the culture medium we provide. So we mimic this interface between hair, the, the, the atmosphere, and, and uh, the tissue below nourished by the, the, the culture medium like 
um, the, the blood, for example, in, in our body. Uh, you act- so this is very similar to, to your skin. You, you actually have different offerings. Uh, I'm wondering if yes. you could walk us through these. You have the native skin, the hypo skin, and the inflama skin. What are each of those and, and how do they differ? How are they used? So, yes. And the first one, the first, finally, the, the first product we, uh, we uh, launch, it's uh, native skin. Um, and it's made of epidermis and dermis. And um, it's really dedicated to test topical uh, products or formulations or drugs. With native skin, you can apply a, a cream, you can perform messages, uh, and then you can test the efficacy or the toxicity of the product uh, into the, 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 the skin. Um, skin, it's um, um, a newer technology. And the only difference, it's very simple. We, we, we live, we have uh, in the skin the fat tissue plus the epidermis and the dermis. And this, the total thickness is about an inch. And with the fat tissue, with this uh, called the, the, the hypodermis, uh, we can inject, we can use a syringe and a needle to inject in our hyposkin platform a drug, a vaccine, monoclonal antibodies, uh, insulin, all these drugs that are developed today for subcutaneous injections. So, and this is totally unique. It's the first time uh, a company provides a technology, a platform, uh, to test uh, skin injection outside of a human, but in, in a human organ, not in an animal. So th- this is the, 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 the uniqueness uh, of this uh, offer. And uh, um, in particular with Iposkin, and recently we, we uh, uh, mentioned this uh, in a press release, we can check uh, what we call injection site reactions. So injection site reactions, um, how local adverse events like erythema, swelling, and pain that are commonly reported after vaccine or biologic injections. I don't know if you got your uh, vaccine, your anti-COVID vaccine uh, injection, but perhaps you, you, you had some pain uh, uh, after the injection uh, and probably it was a little bit red on the skin. And it's, it's, this is called injection site reactions. And today, you don't have any animals models to really um, test these particular injection site reactions. So how technology iposkin uh, enable this, uh, we can uh, better understand uh, how a product uh, induces this particular uh, local adverse events. And so finally, the, the, the last uh, technology we have, it's called Enflamaskin. And here it's a, a, a little bit different. It's a psoriasis, psoriasis-like skin model. We use normal human skin. We treat the skin to become a psoriasis skin-like, 
with uh, an inflammation, Th1, Th17 inflammation. And the, 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 the inflammation skin models um, enable the testing, the efficacy of anti-inflammatory drugs. Is there topical drugs like steroids or um, uh, skin-injected in drugs like Humira, for example, or other monoclonal antibodies? How consistent are results from one sample to another? How reproducible are experiments conducted with Geniskin's products? So for reproducibility, we, we are working on, on, on how the skin models are prepared, how they are maintained, how we are uh, um, administrating the, the drug by injection or not. And, and we try to uh, uh, make sure everything is reproducible, especially we are developing today um, robots where we are using uh, um, some uh, robots to help us to be more reproducible. reproducible. And regarding the skin itself, obviously there are variation among donors. One donor it, it will not have exactly the the same skin or the, the same gene expression, the same um, immunological uh, uh, system or signature in the skin than another uh, uh, donor. And this is, instead of having a, um, a limitation here, we think it could be an advantage because we can source a lot of uh, uh, skin samples from different donors very uh, rapidly. Uh, we actually receive skin samples every weeks. Uh, we can reproduce uh, almost small uh, clinical testing with different donors. If you want to test on male and female and some donors age of uh, 30 and others of 60, we, we, we have this, uh, we have the, a little bit this uh, um, uh, diversity, human diversity uh, in our samples. And it's how we can provide uh, more accurate data uh, for our customers because we provide like first in human data and we can test their product uh, in 5, 10, 15, 20 different donors. Uh, so it's really... Um, a different way uh, and uh, compared to uh, other platforms of cells, for example, that are more involved in, in drug discovery, for example. And, and what's the, the business model? Do you operate as like a CRO or do you just provide these tissue samples for drug developers? We are doing, actually, we are doing uh, uh, the two... Uh, um, um, offers we are providing the, these two offers so we have a, what we call the, a, a pro a partner research organization because we, we are not necessarily only uh, uh, doing the work uh, a company would not have the time to do we provide a unique platform we provide all the expertise we provide all the the tools uh, for example um, um artificial intelligence-based tools to analyze the results and everything. So this is the service part 
of uh, the, the, our activity. And the other part is to provide, uh, to provide the, the skin models in ready-to-use uh, uh, kits. We deliver them everywhere in the US. We deliver them in Europe. We deliver them uh, to uh, uh, Asia. Uh, and it's not necessarily the same kind of customer that will order the, the skin model so that will uh, um, order um, a particular uh, service study with us. Uh, so we, we, uh, we are like um, doing both today. And are there any regulatory hurdles for you? Have you done anything to validate this or had discussions with FDA? So we, we do have, um, I mean, w w we did a lot of uh, work to validate uh, our technology and, and actually we are publishing, we have some articles, we, we want to publish more. We um, work also with um, either customers or uh, key opinion leaders uh, to uh, publish uh, this data. Uh, but we don't, today we don't need a particular um, uh, approval uh, for our product because um, our skin models are not necessarily used uh, uh, for the regulatory uh, toxicity testing of cosmetic products. It's more for efficacy and efficacy is not uh, uh, regulated. Um, and regarding the drugs, uh, we actually went almost two years ago uh, at the, AV, the, the FDA, we were invited uh, by some people at the FDA to better explain them how our platform can be used to uh, validate, for example, toxicology in the skin or immunotoxicology of uh, drugs or subcutaneous injected drugs, for example. So they are aware uh, of this. And, uh, um, and, and I think they are also looking for these new technologies like how technologies to uh, bloom and be available uh, uh, for uh, drug makers uh, to uh, better validate, better secure the drug development. Um, so we, we don't have a particular approval, uh, but everything rely on the, the quality of what we are providing and also the, 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 the pertinence of the, the scientific approach behind uh, our platform. Pascal Descartes, founder and CEO of Geniskin. Pascal, thanks so much for your time today. Danny, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.